I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, the experimentation's over, we're told. Steve Hansen's picked his A-team for Saturday night's Bledisloe Cup test in Perth against Australia. It's a double-header too. The New Zealand women's side played their Australian counterparts in the curtain raiser. I'm joined by RNZ Sports reporters Joe Porter and Barry Guy. Joe, if we start with you, a uh, few talking points around that side. Hansen's name, Dardy Savia at six. Uh, a bit of a surprise. There was sort of talk that skipper Karen Reid could move to the side of the scrum. And Savia play number eight. Your, your thoughts on, on the way Hanson's gone? Yeah, it is a little bit unusual for me. I mean, we'd always been told by Hanson, being the, uh, you know, the All Blacks reporter for a few years, that Adi Savia was too small and not physical enough to play at blindside flanker. It had been suggested on numerous occasions when Reed had gone down in the past and other situations had arisen that they might put Artie on the field at six, and Hanson had always shot it down, suggesting it was never going to happen. So this, I guess, is a bit of a change of heart, and it comes along the same lines of you want your best players on the field, so he's decided that he wants all three of those Lucys out there, and it probably means that they're going to play less of a traditional role as a blind side, a number eight, and, a, and an open side, and probably work as, as a unit that mix and match a little bit. Um, Hanson said that Savia will come off the back of the scrum sometimes, He's obviously got the best running game, the best ball-carrying game, the best power off the back there, so that makes sense. Uh, he's a better ball-fetcher too than a typical number six, so perhaps him and Sam Kane will work in tandem trying to get over the ball a little bit more. And um, Reid will obviously be using the line-out because Savia doesn't get used as a typical number six as a line-out option either. So I guess they'll just mix and match and see how that goes, and it is that mantra of your best players on the field. And you can't leave Savia out. You certainly can't. I would have liked to have seen him at eight and Reid push to six, for one reason or another, they haven't done that, uh, but at least he's on the field. Do you think it's because Reed doesn't see or think he fits in best at number six in some way in yeah, that role? Definitely. He, he likes to be at the back and he can look on both sides and sort of make the calls and that sort of thing. Yeah, and because, number eight's his favourite position and he wants yeah. to play there and he's the captain and he probably feels like he deserves it. He's He's been shirty before when asked about how he'd feel about moving for six, to six. He trotted out the age-old, I'll do anything for the team, quickly followed up by several disclaimers talking about why he wouldn't. So I think he doesn't want to play six. It's as simple as that. He said, I'm the captain, I'm the number eight. And it's Artie that's had to make the sacrifice. And, well, there's not a lot that Artie doesn't do. No. In that he, do, he he pretty much does that role as a six and an eight and a seven. You know, he yeah, cleans yeah, yeah. out, yeah. he can get the ball, the turnovers and that sort of thing. And He's he not runs a traditional it forward. anything yeah. in a sense, yes. Yeah, perhaps just, you know, if he was a couple of inches taller, he'd fit more into that mould of a six. But yeah, yeah, there's nothing that he can't do. And I, yeah, as Hanson said, that he really just needs to get on the field. And yeah. uh, 
Um, yeah. So, so in reality, does it sort of work? Would you see it working something like I don't know? Defensive scrum, Reed's going to be at eight. Offensive scrum on a on the opposition try line. You'll have Savira coming off the bat. Yeah, exactly. I think defensive scrum, you have Reed at eight, and you have your speedy. You, you almost might put Sam Kane defending on the blind side and have super speedy Adi Savia on your open side chasing out to wherever that ball's going to go and trying to get over the ball. Sam Kane absorbs all that physical impact around the breakdown and reads there to hope, for, and then Artie comes in and hopefully pilfers one on the back of it. And I think he doesn't do the, that really physical grinding stuff around the ruck. He leaves that to the other two and does, yeah, the chasing off the defensive side of the of the scrum and the power plays coming off the back on an attacking scrum definitely would see Artie there. Um, and and probably running, you know, the set moves off line outs where there's no number eight involved. It'll be Artie that takes the ball up rather than Reed. I would suggest he will, you'll probably see Reed take the ball as first receiver from a line out and quickly move it on to Savia as that first receiver, like they do so often. Tactics like that, I imagine. So, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Moanga and Bowden Barrett, uh, 10 and 15 uh, again. This yeah. is, this is um, obviously the way. You think it's going to pan out? This well, is this is what they're going to stick with now? It's looking that way, although I still think that Barrett will be at 10 come the World Cup, and this is more about giving Moanga time in the saddle as a starting first five in case Barrett falls over or in case he has to come on in a pressure situation in a big match. Um, but, yeah, the more they play and start together, the more likely it becomes that that's the way it is going to pan out at the World Cup. It doesn't leave them much cover if either of them goes down in first five, but... But perhaps it's, again, a case of getting your best players on the field. Uh, Hansen seems to quite like Barrett at fullback, or at least he's making noises around that. So maybe he's setting everyone up for the move, suggesting that Barrett's been so great there when I didn't think he was superb against the box at the back. Um, so it could it could well pan out that way. With Aaron Smith, I think at half-back, it definitely made them look better against South Africa than when TJ Perenata was on. He just gives them that much more speed a traditional first five like Moanga. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If, if they play, if it works this weekend, it could well be the way it pans out. But I've just got this nagging feeling that it'll still be Barrett at 10 and come the World Cup. But they're running out of time, aren't they? They I are. Mean, you've I'm got, sure they've got yeah. three, three matches three left, ma- including yeah. this test. So you're right. If, if they start these guys in these positions, the next two tests, that has to suggest surely that. Well, that's how it's well, going to play well, I suppose out. it's going to lead him to the next sort of point. I mean, is this the starting 15 minus Brodie Retallick, who's obviously yep. out injured, that, that Hanson is pinning his hopes on winning that hat-trick of World Cup titles? I, I think it is, because when you look at sort of the parts of the team we haven't talked about here, Aaron Smith coming in at halfback, uh, Anton Leonard-Brown at second five rather than Nani Laomapia, Dane Coles at hooker rather than Cody Taylor, George Bridge is outside back cover on the bench. I think this looks like your strongest team possible, like you said, bar Retallick, because... Owen Franks, Joe Moody, Dane Coles. I think that's your World Cup front row. I think Coles just offers a little bit more than Cody Taylor does. Uh, no offence to Taylor, who's been a great, great player. Um, now, Laomapi looks like the unlucky loser, so to speak, out of the midfield mix. Um, if Sonny Bill makes it, he might sneak in if Sonny Bill falls over. But this indicates that Ryan Crotty starts and Anton Leonard Brown's your next cab off the rank in terms of second five. That's, and him and Goodhue are your best midfield if Sonny and Ryan are unavailable. Um, and then Aaron Smith's your first choice halfback, and I think George Bridges is your outside back cover by the looks of things. So, yes, I think you're absolutely right. This will be the team that goes to the World Cup, bar Italic, um, and maybe we'll see a little slight shift to positional play, but I, I think you're right. Barry? I think uh, how the Wallabies play Richie Mwanga this weekend will be interesting as far as the World Cup's concerned because if mm-hmm. they, they do that rush defence and they put pressure on him, you know, because he had those two kicks charged down against the Springboks, 
depending on how he plays against the Wallabies this weekend, I think will go a long way in finalising in Steve Hansen's mind actually where he is going to going to go. I still think possibly that Moanga has a chance of playing uh, in those big games mm-hmm. uh, at first five. Be- again, dependent on how it goes this weekend because. Um, you know, he has shown, and I know it's a big step down to Super Rugby, but he has shown the skills on attack oh, and, yeah, and and kicking I mean, and those sorts of things as well. The so timeline looks like it's suggesting that. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and and with Aaron Smith, it, 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 again, it'll be interesting to see because the speed of the passes and he can stand out a bit further and those sorts of things yeah. has a little bit more time to to decide. Uh, yeah, um, and Anton Leonard Brown, they tend to like him in the reserves, mm. don't they? Because he can play both positions yes. in the midfield. So. Yeah, who's who's going to fit in there? I think that's still uh, a bit of a mix there. I also think this weekend is a big one for Scott Barrett because who's going to play that uh, position out in the where Ritalik normally plays out in the back line? Quite often you see it. Mm-hmm. Then I wonder whether it is something someone like uh, Adi Savia or someone like that or Kieran Reed Kieran a bit Reed. more out in the, in the back line because Scott Barrett has traditionally been known as one of those. You know, more in the Sam Whitelock yes, mould, isn't tight, he? A tight lock, yeah, so yeah, yeah, and pushing and that sort of thing. So, you know, they want Hanson said of of all of his players in the front row and the second row that he mm. wants more mobility out of them. Yeah. So, it's, it's going to be interesting to see Scott Barrett. I think mm. uh, how he performs, you know, because there are a couple of big locks that the Wallabies have got there. How he's going to, uh, or what he is going to be required to do, perhaps. Um, well, they might keep know. it simple for him this week because the Wallabies will target yep. the set piece. That's where they know they've got a chance. The back Backline doesn't offer a lot outside of Curtin mm. Beale, um, and their scrum and their line out are their best opportunities to upset the All Blacks. So I think you're probably right. Maybe Scott Barrett, in this instance, has just been told it's your first game back from injury. Focus on your core role as a tight lock here, and just get us ascendancy in the in the, in the pack. And also, you know, because they made so many mistakes in the first couple of games. You- You've got to think, well, I'm hoping that Steve Hansen is going to say, let's just try and give an error-free game and see what happens. Mm. You know, we're not going to show all of our cards ahead of the World Cup. Uh, hopefully we get a win out of it because we just, you know, perform all of our drills and do it all as, as correct and we kick our goals and those, those sorts of things. But I sort of get a feeling perhaps we're not going to see too much razzle-dazzle or, you know, at the greatest speed and, and that sort of thing. I think this perhaps is still a progression towards the World Cup. And, of course, um, you know, he, he, he'll he be holding a few things back, perhaps. We'll have, you know, we'll have to wait pretty, and see. Pretty tepid matches, though, weren't they, against Argentina <laughs> or South Africa? And, what, one try for the All Blacks in each of them? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you're talking razzle-dazzle. There wasn't yeah. any. I mean, defensively, yeah. they struggled uh, to, to get past. Yeah, I, Are they under a bit of pressure? Well, that's, you know, yeah. you know, yes, you know, this are. is World Cup year. We're thinking, oh, yeah. so I've got to get picked. And, and perhaps um, they're trying know. to implement a few too many new things. Hansen's yeah. said they are trying to do quite a bit of new stuff this mm. year because they were caught out last year by this rush defence that everyone mm. is now employing. It started with the British and Irish Lions in 2017, mm. was followed on by the Springboks in Wellington last year, and of course the Northern Hemisphere sides, Ireland and England, over in mm. the end of your tours. Mm. So they're trying to find ways to get around that. Last year perhaps they didn't adapt as much as they would have liked. This year maybe they're moving too far, mm. and they're trying to implement all this new stuff. There's pressure on the players to do it. I, talk, I asked Steve Hansen about, would you not have liked to have seen some of your players in the Springbok game in particular hold on to the ball, go to ground, show a little bit more patience, recycle, knowing that in the next couple of phases you're likely to score, rather than throw the 50-50 pass that we were so often seeing in those first mm. two games that would go to ground or be dropped. Again, 
it was often a pass that wasn't great, but the handling errors by the receiver were not great, and it was sort of those sorts of errors. And Hansen said, no, if those guys had caught that pass, things were all on. I don't want to see them stand back and not do what we're trying to do for fear of making mistakes. I'd rather see them make mistakes but get closer to what we're trying to achieve. So I don't think they're going to hold too much back here against the Wallabies. I think they're going to try and press forward with this game to move the ball quickly. He's just going to be demanding that everyone catches the bloody ball this time Mm -hmm. and that people are more accurate with what they're doing. They've had two weeks. Crusaders are largely back in this squad. Barrett comes in. He's been with these guys for a while. He should fit in all right, Scott Barrett. He'll be, make, he'll be wanting them to just be a lot more accurate and clinical with what they do and make those 50-50 passes stick. Yeah, like with the South Africans, you, you don't want to let them think they've got a chance, I suppose. You know, you know, rowers say that, don't you? Why do, you know, why do the rowers win by you know, 50 metres in a heat? Because I always remember they used to say, because we don't want them to ever think they can beat us. You know, so no, the All Blacks no, as well. No, don't give them a sniff no, of a chance. Yeah. You know, so uh, oh yeah, good good luck to them there. I hope it, so hope it comes off. No bleeders lay cup for the Wallabies for seventeen years. They got a got a <laughs> chance. <laughs> well, look, I mean, twenty fifth uh, World Cup year. I guess that helps, doesn't it? That gives mm. you know teams that tr- don't have the best of records in these sorts of games a chance. In twenty fifteen, the Wallabies knocked over the All Blacks in the first bleeders low in Sydney, quite comfortably, I think. Um, before going on to make the final of the World Cup and losing, of course, to the All Blacks. And they lost the Bledisloe return match at Eden Park to not take the Bledisloe back. But that's their first win they've had in quite some time. So I think, yeah, this year, you know, with with half an eye on the World Cup, it gives them a chance. Boy, it would be a boost in their arm, wouldn't it? A shot Mm. to the arm if the Wallabies were to beat the All Blacks in Perth and the world champions were only two or three test matches out from the World Cup. I mean, the fans would all of a sudden believe Michael Checky would be given, you know, Lazarus-like returned. Uh, it would just be do wonders for any kind of self-belief that they have because really many people, are, most people are writing them off for this World Cup. I suppose well, the other thing, what, what happens if the All Blacks, I mean, if they win but don't win, you know, they sneak past mm, by three mm. or four points, where, do, where does that leave? Everyone's still wondering w- yeah. whether or not they are the team they hope to be, I think. And also, if the Wallabies win, just as a side note here, Stephen, you told me this yesterday, Wales will go top of the world rankings, usurping the All Blacks for the first time in a long, long time. So imagine yeah, that. How's that work? Wales top of the world <laughs> rankings. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think look, yeah, it would leave everyone still wondering if this team is the team that they hope to be at the World Cup. Already, I still think they're favourites, but people are going, not like 2015. We're wondering if, if this team's creaking along a little bit. There's been a few injuries in key positions. Any more mm. could be worrying. The performances have been far from convincing. They're looking as rusty as they have been in any tests early in the year. Um, guys are getting old, you know. Oh, that's, that's, the, yeah. the sheen is starting to fade. I don't mean to be too cruel, but guys like Kieran Reid have never really been the same since the head knocks. Even Ben Smith, the best fullback in the world, hasn't quite looked his best this year. Is that another reason why Bowden Barrett's a fullback? Because perhaps Ben Smith hasn't quite been up to his usual lofty standards. Um, you got yeah the no, props, you got Dave Coles. Yeah. I mean, he's just a couple of years. You know, he's not played a lot of rugby. Sam yeah, so Whitelock's yeah. old. He's played a lot of rugby. Brody Retallick's had injuries. You know, like, uh, Sam Kane's come back from a broken neck. Kieran mm. Reid's had heaps of injuries. You just start to wonder whether or not they're quite, you know, where they'd like to be. But they're still favourites in my mind. I just think it's a whole lot closer this year than it w- has been in the past. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And the All Blacks are far from the finished article at this point in time. After two thousand three, when England won. Uh, they, they, that was the most experienced, I think, side that had ever come out and, mm-hmm. and won. And they said you have to have experience to yeah. to win it. I, I, I perhaps don't think that is the case now. Uh, and I, I, I do wonder, you know, because they've always said an inspirational leader and an outstanding first five, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
Reed's good, but he's no perhaps Richie McCall when it comes to leading by performance and Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga. No, Dan Carter. Dan, Dan Carter's. Nah. So we'll have to wait and see. Oh, and just on Blair's like Cup, of course, Australia mm. would have to win both, wouldn't they? To yes, of course. Yep. You know, because yep. the return matches in Eden yeah, Park. Mate. I can't see them winning both. One in the Perth, perhaps. Most likely. But, they haven't uh, won at Eden Park in, yeah. what is it, 24 years or something yeah. like that. Maybe longer. I can't remember. It's a long and, time anyway. And James O'Connor in the midfield. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you got to think good. he's. I that's mean, it's cool. great that he's come back. Yeah. And, uh, but. He's going to get targeted, isn't he? He's, yeah, you know, they're so, actually uh, licking their lips a little yeah, bit. That's where they're going to put someone like Reed or Barrett or whoever yeah. running up the midfield, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, he's not the hugest of boys. So. And um, mentally, his temperament, they'll give it a test for sure. Mm. I'd like, I think Dane Coles will get in there and give him a rub in the, <laughs> rub in the head on the ground at some point. <laughs> but, I mean, it's good to see him back, and he is exciting. And uh, it's a bit of a surprise, I guess, for the All Blacks because they won't have had a lot of tape to look at. So, make, yeah. you know, it's a little. Oh, I, it's, I, a, it's an like Hanson is an element of the unknown, which is yeah. not a bad thing. I hope Australia do well because I yes. like Michael Checker. I want him to stay on for a while. Yeah, he's very entertaining. Crowd though, bit, crowd though, like, Perth uh, could be uh, Razzie Erasmus. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, my Checker. They're both yeah. Oh, they're explode at some stage, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, long may they last. <laughs> oh yeah, Michael Checker is a great character. You don't even have to say anything in a press conference, and he will just take it away. <laughs> Fantastic. Black Ferns, Wallaroos? Yeah, well, I mean, Wallaroos should lose. The Black Ferns should win comfortably like they did the two tests last year. It may well be closer. The Black Ferns seem to think Australia have improved fairly dramatically after having sort of reaping the benefits of they've had two years of a domestic competition there. So they've, they think they've got a bit more depth and they think they'll challenge them a little bit more. And that's balanced against the Black Ferns, of course, rebuilding a little bit as they head towards 2021 World Cup title defence. So they're trying to blood a few players and develop players but of course they don't want to lose, and I can't. Yeah, it, sh- it should be a comfortable win for the Black Ferns. Okay, so um, give us a score of both games, Joe. <sighs> Perth. What's the weather going to be like? I don't know. I hope it's sunny. There'll be plenty of Kiwis in that crowd too. Um, let's go. The always have scored bugger all tries, mm-hmm. eh? And how accurate are they going to be this week? Let's hope they're a bit more accurate. Twenty-five, thirteen to the All Blacks in Perth, and the Black Ferns will beat the Wallaroos, thirty-seven. 17 in the, in the pre-game. <laughs> well, a lot of thought went into that. Uh, yeah, I think the All Blacks will win by 12 or so, or so and, the, and the Black Ferns will win by 19 or 20 or so. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll be closer for the... I'm going about 7, I think, for the for the Wallabies All Blacks. And I'll, I'll, yeah, mm. I'm with you, sort of Barry, 20 points. So yeah, which so, we both sent the Black Ferns look yeah. so good in that sense. Well, you know, they eventually got into their stride in that San Diego tournament. So um, I'm hoping All Blacks yeah. three tries to one. That's sort of a win, but yeah, it might be Well, crazy. they need some tries, don't they? That's, yeah. yeah, they need to score some tries. They need to mm. show us that they can hold those balls. I mean, they've they've created plenty of chances, but every half break mm. against the box and the Argies was just another drop ball or a pass that shouldn't have been thrown or someone was in or inaccurate, whatever the correct word is, with, with what they were doing, and it stuffed it all up. They butchered mm. plenty of chances. So the creating of them is not so bad. I think it's just... They've got to be a lot more accurate. Rico Yuani needs some finishing. space, doesn't he? Yeah, he, needs yeah. a, he needs a few tries for a confidence boost, mm. too. He looked quiet last week. Mm. World Player of the Year, just about. He barely mm. did anything. So, yeah, and I think he needs to have a boost. They all need a bit of a shot in the arm, really. They need to play some nice rugby and, and enjoy it. Have yeah, fun. So do we. Joe Porter, Barry Guy, thank you very much for your time. We'll see how things unfold in Perth. It's just under a year out from the Tokyo Olympics and temperatures are soaring. The highlighting the health threat to athletes and fans come the Tokyo 2020 Games. 57 people have died across Japan, while more than 1,800 have been taken to hospital in the last couple of weeks with heat-related problems. 
but don't mention the heats. The mantra of the New Zealand Olympic sailors as they count down to the Games. Temperatures have been stuck above 31 since mid-July, and last summer the temperatures hit a record 41 degrees. The New Zealand 470 sailing team is currently in Japan for the World Champs, and while they're 30 kilometres south of Tokyo in Inoshima, Coach Jeff Woolley told me it's one of the hottest venues they've competed in. I've heard all the stories that this could be the hottest Olympics on record. I think for us down in Inoshima, it's not it's hot for sure, but it's not going to be a major for us. I think in the city, in the concrete jungle, it could be pretty pretty oppressive. But we're a little bit lucky we've got the sea breeze cooling us down. How does it shape, I suppose, as to other areas you've had to, to sail in? Yeah, it's um, definitely one of the hottest venues we've been at especially on the ground um, in the marina, um, doing sort of work outside and things. is just You just want to avoid the middle of the day, basically. And we're pretty lucky. We've got a good setup with the Yachting New Zealand and High Performance Sport have helped us a lot with air-conditioned containers and things like that and um, cooling strategies and ice vests and cooling hats and things like that. So we're pretty... We're as prepared as we can be, we think. But um, it's right up there with... yeah and. It's a bit of a struggle, just even just doing general boat work in the day and things like that. Is it the humidity? Is, is that the, the big, the biggest problem? Yeah, it's basically it's 33, 34 degrees high, but uh, the humidity just makes it oppressive. And on the water, the guys kind of struggle when they go downwind. They don't, they're working really hard physically, and then um, they've got the wind behind them, so there's nothing cooling them down. So they're, at the end of the race, they're completely cooked. I mean, that must add a whole different component to everything presumably it does it adds i guess you'd call it maybe extra work and preparing things and um being aware of it but you can't, i think the big thing is you can't get too obsessed with the heat if you sort of obsess over it and um constantly kind of thinking about it i think it's a massive distraction to what you're actually just trying to do so we're sort of not really talking about it that's kind of one of our rules just getting on with it and guys are usually jumping in ice baths before they head down to the yacht club and as soon as they go rig their boat, which is they're trying to do it really quickly, they chuck an ice vest on. Usually when they tow out to the race course, they'll have an ice vest on. And then in between races, they'll throw maybe an ice hat on. Do you anticipate the wind strength may be a problem? Do you think well, come a year's time there might be a bit of waiting around as organisers wait for that wind to get up? Or, or does the, the breeze seem to turn up reasonably consistently? Japan's a crazy place for weather. We've got typhoons down south not affecting us, but... It's always a possibility here that they come up and hit sort of Inoshima or Tokyo. Generally, it's a beautiful sailing venue here, though. We get afternoon sea breezes with really good waves. Sort of, we described it as being up in the Bay of Islands in the middle of summer yesterday. So, in the scheme of things, you might be more one of the the luckier sports. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, I haven't been to Tokyo in the last two weeks, but I'm imagining it's pretty pretty horrible. I was talking to the coach of the New Zealand Four Seventy Men Sailing Team, Jeff Woolley. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can get hold of us at sport rnz.co.nz. My thanks to Joe Porter and Barry Guy for joining me on the programme today. On behalf of the Extra Time team, bye for now.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.